0: Part Two, Section Four of the Trial of Callista Blake. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Trial of Callista Blake by Edgar Pangborn, Part Two, Section Four. Callista sampled and pushed aside the inoffensive meal. The state of New Essex was feeding her well, treating her well too a star prisoner. A room of her own, and, now that the trial had begun, meals in private, on a tray no less. No utensils, of course, except a spoon. She rose and performed the infinite journey of three steps from the barred door to the barred window a few times. Shortened stride, and you could make it come out to four steps. Best room in the hotel— "'Southwest exposure and everything. Gee!' She adjusted the blanket on her cot to sharp military precision. It would make Matron Flannery happy. A pity to sit down now and spoil all that wonderful work. Anyway, Biddy Flannery would be along in a minute for the tray, with her usual not unfriendly clash of keys, then back to the courtroom for the afternoon.' Callista gazed at the flat-faced wall, where smears of old writing had been not quite obliterated, for everything in this building was more than a little tired, peevish, ineffectual. Indifferent mop or wash rag took a swipe at the graffiti to keep busy. The law took a swipe, the best it could manage, at the perennial smears of human confusion, dishonesty, violence. High up, the woman must have been tall, enough remained of a lipstick inscription to indicate a heart symbol enclosing a pair of names. Davy and something. The other name had defied Callista's months-long effort to decipher it. She tried again now, bemused, and once more gave it up, although somehow this time she did feel a bit nearer success. It was exasperating as a sore tooth. She gave up also another effort to interpret the almost destroyed black pencil picture below the heart, probably someone else's contribution. A thick phallus, not quite erect, a baby with the facial features gone, perhaps just a round petal flower or geometric design? No use. Call it a Rorschach blot. But even for that, the months of seeing it had made it impossible to see it at all. Callista turned away, glancing with an amusement that held the warmth of gratitude at the third and last writing. Off in the corner, tiny and squeezed, it had almost escaped the washrag's faint assault and still transmitted a cocky, not-too-cryptic message. "'We did it in a snowbank on Lincoln's birthday, 1957.' In the death house, too, they would feed her well and treat her very kindly, within the meaning of the statute. Callista examined this, perplexed, trying to recall what form of the auxiliary verb her thought had used. Did the gray cells say will or would? She journeyed again to the window that, for all its cramped ugliness, was a friend, because of its messages of night and day. Cloud, sunlight, and the wheeling of doves. And returning, she made a discovery with the suddenness of sunshine. She could read the red writing up there on the wall, the other name. Amazing that it could have eluded her so long. Davy and me. Bewildering, too, the quick starting of tears to her eyes. Why, I never cry. Well, once, when Edith helped me talk. Davy and me. This helps too, dear. She must have said that aloud, for the cell was alive with the memory of a private sound. They couldn't take away the me, could they? Shoplifter, whore, drunk, another murderer, maybe? Doesn't matter. Went out of here to die. Get drunk. Go back to work in a cat house, or pushing dope, I don't care. They couldn't quite do it to you. Down the corridor, keys rattled. They couldn't take away the me, ever. End of Part 2, Section 4 Recording by Roger Moline End of Part 2